Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The Volume. It's the Colin Coward Podcast presented by FanDuel. It's NFL playoff time. No better place to get in on the action than FanDuel. FanDuel app is safe. You get paid fast. A lot of ways to play. The spread, the money line, team totals, players, props, a lot of stuff. Over-unders. Jump into the action. Same game parlays are my favorite. Just use the promo code Colin and download the FanDuel app today. FanDuel now live in Ohio. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Wednesday Morning Podcast. One of my favorite people, the incomparable Matt Mosley, will be joining me in about 10 minutes. Two things to talk about, as I always start with an opening rant on the Colin Coward Podcast. So LeBron James has been complaining about officiating recently, this year a lot. And he tweeted the other day, His quote was, all they keep telling me to my face on the court, I didn't see it. It wasn't a foul. It's not making sense to me. Seriously, LeBron said, frustrating as hell. Anyway, keep going, squad. So the Lakers' bigger problem, why they're losing close games, is because they can't shoot. I think they're 24th in the NBA in three-point percentage. I'm close. And this has been a problem in the organization for a decade as everybody else has moved into the three-point shot. The Lakers gave up guys like KCP and Kyle Kuzma who could actually hit three-point shots. And they brought in Russell Westbrook, the worst three-point shooter. So this is on them. If they shot better, they win more close games. They wouldn't worry about officiating as much. And also because basketball is a seven-game series, singular calls can't be blamed for losing a series. But I thought about, I watched the Tim Donaghy special on, I think, Netflix the other day about, you know, he was the rogue official that... He didn't change winners and losers. He simply got teams into the bonus faster so they would they would hit the over, the over and under. He said he can manipulate a game by about six points, but he didn't, he claims, he didn't change outcomes, just the total points. So be that as it may, in my life of being a sportscaster, the sport that is constantly under attack is basketball. And I think there's a reason for it. So MLS, NHL, Major League Baseball, NFL, many of the calls are, say, objective, offsides, uh, you're out at first. What is the most difficult call in football for an official? The one we complain most about, pass interference. In basketball, 95% of the calls are essentially pass interference. Two great athletes leaving their feet, one trying to score, one trying to defend, sometimes seeking one ball. It's hard to officiate. It's a really difficult sport to officiate. Hockey, soccer, football, you're clearly offsides. Too many men on the field. Even the objective calls in basketball, three in the key, is never truly three in the key. Even goaltending, you have to, in a split second, judge the arc of a ball, still ascending or now going down. So in college, this is not really analogous, but in college, I 
officiated intramurals. And I took it seriously. I made eight bucks a game. It paid for some of my, you know, college books. My parents were divorced, didn't have a lot of money. So I officiated two and three games a night, make 25 bucks. 30 years ago, that was something. And one of the things, I took it really seriously. And one of the things I noticed almost immediately was in basketball, the better the athlete, the more they can manipulate you with body control. And I, th- I think it's more difficult for athletes to do that in other sports. You know, a catcher can frame a ball to a strike, but umpires are pretty keen on that. Is that I found myself always giving better players the call. They're quicker. They get a first step. The less athletic players always a step behind, reaching in. The better players have better body control. They can manipulate you. And I remember thinking when I was doing this, because for a brief time in my life, I thought about officiating, being a college basketball official, a pro basketball official. I was 21. You know, I knew I wanted to be a broadcaster, but, you know, you're thinking about things, what to do with your life. And I remember thinking very early is, man, I'm always giving the best players the calls it's hard to avoid it. And so I think when players complain about this, this is why basketball, pro basketball, the best team always wins. In college basketball, the best team usually wins. But all it takes is a star player in March Madness getting into foul trouble off a couple of quick fouls, and the best team doesn't have their best player. In basketball, like last year in the NBA Finals, the Warriors shot 44.5% in the Finals. The Celtics shot 43.5% in the finals, and that was the difference. The Warriors, by a slight margin, were able to shoot a slightly better percentage, and that's the difference over the course of six or seven games winning the championship. Inches, not feet. So when I look at people complaining about basketball officiating, I've been doing this for 30 years. It's always the professional sport we complain most about. And I worried about when sports gambling got legalized in America, this is what would transpire. Every gambling loss, every gambling degenerate claiming, well, it's rigged. There's too much money in the sport for that. I just think sometimes add context to sports, basketball, somebody listening to me right now is a college official. And it's very likely a person listening to me because I see my downloads. I know how many people download and listen to this podcast. There's probably five or six people listening that officiate college basketball and football. And if you asked them what was harder, now you have more ground to cover in football. But basketball's hard. These are the world's best athletes battling for basketballs, twitchy, leaping. It's pass interference every play. It's really hard really hard. And I think by and large, NBA officials do an excellent job. The Lakers issue, they don't have any easy baskets. They don't get any easy threes. Therefore, those critical near the basket calls become very punitive when they don't get them. They don't get a lot of easy baskets. Teams that shoot poorly don't. So I saw where the Chargers decided to keep Brandon Staley and instead fire their offensive coordinator and their passing game coordinator. I rolled my eyes at it because seven of the eight remaining head coaches in the NFL playoffs, seven of eight, are offensive coaches. Last year, all seven NFC teams that made the playoffs 
had offensive coaches. Folks, it's not an offensive coordinator issue for the Chargers. It's a defensive head coach issue. If you go look at the Chargers first and second half splits, they were a terrible second half team offensively and defensively. What does that tell you? It tells you they have a young coach who is struggling once off the script, game time decisions, situational play calling. They're a bad second half offense. How? They have Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Austin Eckler, above average offensive line. I went and looked at the second half offensive numbers for the Chargers. They're bottom six in the league. The other five teams surrounding them are all anemic at quarterback. Justin Herbert is the only top 10 quarterback in the league that is in the bottom of second half offensive statistics. That's not your offensive coordinator. That's your coach. The only defensive coach left in the playoffs is Sean McDermott. He can't figure out the Bills O-line for five years. Their run game is not substantial outside of Josh Allen. And Allen has regressed as a quarterback since Brian Dayball left. It's a defensive organization and culture. I mean, the Chargers, sometimes you have to take a deep breath. And look at how a business landscape is changing. Football now is rewarding offensive head coaches and offensive cultures. Look at the Patriots. Bill Belichick feels out of touch. Bears defensive coach, last place. Washington defensive coach, last place. Jets defensive coach, last place. Houston defensive coach, last place. Chargers. You made a mistake. You could have hired Brian Dable. You hired Brandon Staley. And my sources tell me at times he can be a know-it-all. At times he can be stubborn. They basically gave him an ultimatum. Make coaching changes or you're out. He made coaching changes. But I don't think in the end it will change anything. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. 
Looking to get more out of the NFL season? Now's the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's free bets back if your first bet doesn't win. The promo code is always Colin. FanDuel has tons of betting options. I like the same game parlay. Bet a little, win a lot. FanDuel's app is safe, secure, easy to use, and you get paid your winnings really fast. The no-sweat first bet up to 1000 bucks. Promo code Colin. Make every moment more this season with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the National Football League. 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, and Louisiana. Permitted parishes only. Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 533-42-ARIZONA 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. Connecticut 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Indiana, Jersey, and Virginia 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan 1-877-HOP P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y 467-369 in New York, Tennessee. Redline 1-800-889-9789 Tennessee. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia. All right. I bring in my longtime friend, Matt Mosley, co-host of the Doomsday Podcast with Ed Werder. How is Ed? I haven't seen Ed in some time. How is the old gent doing? Doing fine. Doing fine. Put in a full day of work on that playoff game and Certainly let me know about that, but uh, was, was <clears throat> out there for about 12 hours, so the man loves to get to a game early, yeah. stay late, and uh, he was shutting it down with the Doomsday Podcast from the, from the uh, stadium there with the, with the ship, with the pirate ship in it last night at about 1 or 2 in the morning. He was podcasting, so he's, uh, he's still getting after it. So um, the bad news, let's just get that out of the way is the Niners were done Saturday afternoon. The Cowboys have almost a two-and-a-half-day preparation debit going into this game. I bet they're not happy about it. No, and I don't think it'll happen again. I do think the league will address it. But everybody, including people who are not with us anymore, Lamar Hunt being one of them, are looking down and laughing at the Cowboys over this because he fought for years thinking they had a Thanksgiving, you know, the whole Thanksgiving and how that went and how they got to be home every game on Thanksgiving. That was a huge deal over the years. So some people think the Cowboys have been getting favors from the league for many, many years. So if one team needs to, or franchise needs to suffer this fate, it should be the Dallas Cowboys. But I think in the future, you won't see a team finish up more than 48 hours before another team who's then coming to their place. Um, I think the league will find a way not to have that happen again. And it, I think it is somewhat of a factor. Yeah. And it provides it provides a uh, built-in excuse if the Cowboys lose to the great Brock Purdy. Um, one of the things about Dallas, um, you know, I said this today in defense of Mike McCarthy. This is a top five offense in the league. Rebuilding the O-line, still don't have a clear number two. Tyron Smith out for most of the year. Dalton Schultz missed two games and really wasn't good until post-Thanksgiving. 
All that said, Aaron Rodgers, red zone, poor. Aaron Rodgers, offense, poor. That divorce, the more and more you look at it. Mike went 4-1 and one with Cooper F and Rush. That it's easy because Aaron's on every commercial. He's a star quarterback. He's an MVP. To weigh in on that breakup and favor Aaron. But I look at this season for Mike. They're playing their best football now. Dalton Schultz is now a real factor. I didn't think he was eight weeks ago. Do you think, has there been anything that you, Matt, have changed your opinion on regarding McCarthy this year where you may have been a tad cynical and you've come to appreciate him? Yeah, I think I was more than a tad cynical, Colin. You're being kind to me to say just a tad cynical. Uh, I, I, I don't know... Uh, if if really I ever had the full respect that I do now, and you mentioned it, the Cooper Rush aspect of this weighs heavy on Jerry, and it weighs on everybody. And 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 a lot of lately, people have tried to figure out, okay, what was going on with Dak? I mean, what happened last night with the way Dak played was the enormous story coming out of this game, and. I do think Mike McCarthy, one thing he did, and I think he did a pretty good job with Aaron of this, boy, he takes care of his quarterbacks, and he takes care of the relationship. And early on, when Dak had some injuries and was coming back from some things, there's some stories about Mike McCarthy going over to his house and spending hours upon hours with him. So he certainly, you know, it is funny, Sean Payton, a guy you like a lot, and I, I've known pretty, known pretty well over the years, He's a sexier choice. I mean, is he a better coach? Sure, sure. He is uh, just because he's a brighter, more innovative offensive mind. But McCarthy has sort of a way with these players. And I don't know if we ever fully give him credit for that. But I thought you saw it with the Cooper Rush thing. Because on this very podcast, when they opened with that awful loss, a Dak injury, he was already playing poorly before the injury. Yeah, It looked like... There was no hope for this team. So who else do you give a credit for? I mean, you got to give some to Cooper Rush, maybe to Kellen Moore for maybe the way he called some of these games. But Mike sort of presided over all yep. of that. You know, and and I think that's a, I think the thing that's been tough for him over the years is, you know, not calling plays because a lot of these guys, their whole identity yeah. is tied up in that. And it's why Sometimes we don't even know with the Chiefs, right? They're, they're, it's like, wait, who? Wait, who's calling plays? You know, is Andy? Is you know, is, is the enemy? I mean, there's there's some debate because some of these head coaches have such a hard time giving that up. So there have been coaches for the Cowboys that have been told, "Okay, you're not doing it anymore." Jason Garrett had it taken away from him. McCarthy just said, "You know what? This is what it requires of me." to become the head coach there. I've got to give this up, and he's done a pretty good job with it. And he certainly – you can't accuse the guy of micromanaging like you can – you know, I mean, he's he's got the laminated chart. He likes to fold it over, um, but he's not – even like – think about that last night. We talk about how great Dak was. How did he start that game? Two three-and-out series. Yep, yep. 0 for 3. He looks shaky. Aikman's saying he looks jittery to him. It's not going well. And I, I think Mike McCarthy's just kind of like, 
he's a stay the course kind of guy. And and I think that's, you know, for now, it seems like what the Cowboys need. You know, there's always been turbulence associated coaching the Cowboys that other coaches don't face. Your owner goes public every week. You have more national TV games. Those are often uh, game times are disrupted. A lot of Sunday night, Monday night. It's a very, you know, Jacksonville doesn't have to deal with that much. Dallas has to deal with it seven to eight times a year. That's why there's now a limit on how many times you can play in primetime. It's the cowboy rule. So the Cowboys don't have to have a night game. I know when the Giants had Eli Manning and were pretty good for multiple stretches, I knew somebody inside the Giants. He's like, the organization hates these night games. We all get home at two. They're disruptive all week. So Mike hasn't done himself favors through the years. You know, he's just, you know, at the podium, he's pretty average. And I think, you know what? I think Mike deserves a little more respect. I guess that's my takeaway. Yeah, I think I think you're on to something. And where he'll ultimately get it is if he wins this game. Oh, my. Next, next Sunday, um, you know. I hear people say, and I even heard Troy say something to the effect of, you know, Dallas is only measured on Super Bowls. Well, yeah, because, of course, Troy won three of those things. It's been so long. And you and I have talked about this before. You go back to the, the 1995 season. They, that's not how people think around here anymore. Cowboys win that game on the road, and it is winnable. That is a winnable game. Like, I know Brock Purdy's undefeated, but Brock Purdy still – a seventh-round draft pick who's, I mean, in his second playoff game. I mean, that we can't just coronate him and go like and act like, I mean, is he surrounded by really good coaching and really good players? You bet he is. But the Cowboys have a guy with seven years' experience, 29-year-old, peak of his career, and the yeah. Cowboys have possibly one of the best schematic and one of the best defensive thinkers in the game on that side yeah. of the ball. I mean, if you want somebody to take on a rookie quarterback and disguise things, I mean, all you have to do is look at last night. Tom Brady was just like baffled. I mean, I, I it, and you know we can blame it on whatever, but you blame it on the offensive line. But something happened to cause him to just that that weird. I mean, think about it. Think of all the people calling that game last night. They were trying to give him an excuse. Was he wanting the receiver to come back? Was he trying to throw the ball out of the, out of bounds? He threw some kind of crazy ball in the red zone, you know. And so, I I think that's a huge advantage for the Cowboys. Still, as much as I like Brock Purdy, and by the way, I've watched him a ton because I watch a lot of Big Twelve football. So I have a a, a sort of a body of work to to to. But I can't because I've watched him so much. I can't buy into they're just so good. They're going to kind of carry Brock with them. I think Dan Quinn will have something for him in a big way on Sunday afternoon. You watched a lot more of him in college than I do. Then when I saw him, I thought he was talented because Iowa State doesn't have nearly the talent of Baylor, TCU, um, Oklahoma, Texas. So when I saw him, I thought of he's a gamer, um, average arm, but kind of a gamer, pretty athletic. Iowa State went into the tank without him this year, and that's with a good coach. So the knock on him was, and I didn't see enough of him to have an established opinion, was that he was a little erratic. 
Yet with San Francisco, he's not erratic at all. So go back to him. Did, did, there's a reason he fell to the seventh round. He's not a big guy. Didn't have a huge arm. Was he an erratic college quarterback? Yes. Yeah. He he was someone who elevated them in a lot of ways and and had a great career. But the head scratching, where in the world did that turnover interception come from in the red zone was absolutely part of his back. That was part of that was part of Brock Purdy. And there's no Iowa State fan listening to us that doesn't know what I'm talking about. Now, again, he had great moments. What he here's what he was great at doing. And this has a little bit like Dak at times. He he would fall down like 21-nothing. I saw some of these Baylor games. It's like they had him. And then Purdy, one by one. Now, of course, he had some of those guys that are in the NFL now, like Kohler. You know that you know that tight end, Charlie Kohler? He had those guys. He had those big, huge tight ends. Those Iowa, for some reason, creates these monstrous tight ends. And he so he was good. He would lead you on a comeback. But, boy, the crippling mistake, even as he got way into his college career and it was a mature senior quarterback, still made some really bad mistakes. So it's in there. Now, they may be coaching around that. And think about it. You can think you've coached that out of somebody, and then it crops up seven, eight years into their career. What happened with Dak the last seven weeks? Yeah. Although last night, Dak was unbelievable. After being extremely shaky, first two drives, he he played arguably the best game of his entire Cowboys career. So Brett Mayer had a very good year. He had an awful night. And Mike Silver pointed this out. When a when kicking gets into a kicker's head, you don't turn around in a week and become Jan Stenerud or Morton Anderson. Is that these things, it usually takes weeks. It's like a golfer when you get the yips. You don't fix it in a tournament. You got to go to your coach. You got to slowly get it back. So... If you go to his, go back to his season and his cowboy career, good kicker, pretty good leg. What do you think happened? Well, absolutely, it got in his head. And we've even heard a story today that they lost a couple of what they call the K balls, the kicking balls, because he kicked them so poorly, they ended up in the stands. They didn't even hit the net. And the Cowboys literally were down to one K-ball over there on the sideline trying to figure out kind of like how to get through the game because for some reason they couldn't get the kick, the kicks out of the stands. That's how bad that was. He overcorrected on the hook. Remember that? And then, I mean, to miss that many in a row is just unthinkable. Four. And then, of course, the game before, so it was actually five. Dak was very nice after the game and said, hey, I played horribly. The week before, he'll be okay, but it has to be a concern. It has to be a concern. I mean, used to, you played in Candlestick, the wind was going crazy. I don't know if that's the case really at, at Levi, but I, it's, it's a huge concern for the Cowboys to somehow hopefully get him right. And how could you, how could you feel great about your kicking game going into it? And I'll tell you this. You were talking about McCarthy earlier. He already is a guy who likes to go for it and has really bought into some of the fourth down analytics. Uh, And with knowing what this kicker's going through, I think he'll lean into that even more. And you saw it last night. They get down there, and it was fourth and four. 
on like the 18-yard line, and they could make it 27 to 6. And he he went for it. And they got to they got to score. And then by the time he finally made an extra point, it was like a big joke. It was like everybody was laughing about it. But I think Troy was on to something last night. Like if Jimmy were the coach, he would literally be holding kicking tryouts this week. Right. I think this era, it's not just McCarthy. I think this era of coaching, it's like, ah, eh, this guy's been good for us. He's been really consistent. He's got a huge leg. He's been good from over 50. Let's just ride it out. We got more to lose than we have to gain by bringing in some kind of kicking competition because is that going to even plant more seeds of doubt if we bring more kickers in? Um, I, I, I mean, as I say this, I, I kind of think back about Jimmy and you know, I go back over some of those moments. I, I don't think Maher would be kicking in that playoff game next week were Jimmy the coach. And he's not the only coach. Some old school coaches. And most of those coaches back then, you know, they 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 just couldn't who who else modern day can't stand their kickers? Mike Zimmer, for instance, had a really tough time finding a kicker. And yeah. he couldn't trust anybody. And I do think it's an issue. And um it's a it, it is when you start losing your kicking balls in an NFL game, you can't track them down. That's a problem. The line is surprisingly low. Niners minus three and a half. That tells me Dan Quinn, Brock Purdy, your theory, Vegas sees it, that they think it's going to be lower scoring. So do I. Seattle's a bad defensive team. Dallas has some spectacular players. I still think they need another corner, and that will be at some point exposed against Philadelphia or San Francisco. Um, I think I think it has a twenty-seven twenty feel to it. What do you What do you think the game looks like? You know, it, with it being three and a half, I would lean toward betting the Cowboys getting those points. Um, I saw it open. I thought about four and a half, and I was really thinking, okay, I would lean that way. I agree. Um, I, I think it's going to be interesting because the Cowboys at times have been susceptible to the run. You know, they, they've struggled. But the, group, yes. the, the thing the Cowboys have, it's they've got a versatile group on the line. Two guys that were inactive last night, Bohanna uh, and Neville Gallimore, are big, huge plugger types. Last night they got Hankins in there. And so that was their big, huge guy. But the rest of the people, they went with all thin, long pass rushers. Cowboys can go either way. And so I think what you'll see them do is really load up um, to stop that run game. I, I think the fascinating thing about this, I think you may be leaning the right way on thinking it's a low-scoring game. I think it's rare that San Francisco finds somebody that will play as physical as they will. I don't normally think we think of the Cowboys like that. I've heard you over the years say finesse, speed, all those kinds of things. The Cowboys team that showed up last night yeah. was incredibly physical. Yes. And the, the safeties were hitting like crazy. Van Der Esch was a good addition. He came back yes. from injury. He helps in the run against the run as well. And I like, I mean, that's where Purdy's going to have to watch it because they're going to use Parsons. Quinn loves to do what he did last night. Move him back off the line a little bit. Sometimes get him outside. 
line him up maybe in the middle, standing. You never know where he's going to be. And right now, he's the biggest defensive weapon in the NFL. He's just there's just not there's not a game wrecker like him. There are people that may have more sacks or may even put up bigger numbers, but there's no one. And they used to have somebody like that, Demarcus Ware. There's no one there they spend more time worrying about. And that's a great thing when you have somebody like that. And it's great for those other players. Demarcus Lawrence, Dorrance Armstrong. I mean, think about it. we We kind of beat up on the Cowboys for not being able to land Randy Gregory in the offseason. What did Randy Gregory do this year for Denver? Nothing. He was hurt most of the time. And the Cowboys ended up – so. Your, your point earlier, though, is the right one. It's a little scary at cornerback. Like, it really comes down to, um, you know, whether it be Debo, Ayuk. I mean, they're, they, you know, how deep do they truly go? And your comparison of the receiving units, Cowboys, I will say Gallup, who's not getting much separation, can make plays. So, I mean, I do think... I do think he gives them something. He can beat people down the field. He's a, he's a yeah. straight line runner. I, I feel like CD can get the drops at times. I think he's a, a pretty average one, a stupendous two. I think Schultz is outstanding, and they have a one-two punch. I think their offensive line, and you got to credit McCarthy on this, it is much better post-Thanksgiving. It is a better offensive line. I, that's what it feels like to me. It To you, does it? Yeah, I it's going to be interesting because, you know, they had to make some changes last night. Peters came out of that game and they kicked yep. Howard Smith out. He's been good out there. They had to put McGovern out there. They had to put McGovern in at guard. Um, I think that'll be fascinating to watch. The other thing I would bring up is, and I said this before yesterday's game, Pollard was going to be a huge key. And it's like you a real bellwether for this team is if he has 75 or more rushing yards – they tend to perform so much better. And, and what you have to watch in this game is what, what, did, um, what did Zeke end up per rush in this, in this last game? It's like 2.1. He's been doing that for several weeks now. Now, short yardage, still good. He can still go get you a yard. But when you find yourself after a game and you look at the stats and Zeke has taken up 12 to 15 of your carries – you've probably made some mistakes. And I, I think Kellen called a really good game. But each time you run Zeke, you're taking about a 25-yard opportunity away from your offense. Because, yep. again, Zeke does some good things. He brings some really good leadership. But Pollard is your home run hitter. And you heard him talking about it last night, and it's true. And plus, if there's only a small hole – Pollard is a tougher back than he's given credit for. So, and he, he's got great balance. I mean, Pollard, I mean, you have to approach this game like this is our bell cow. Yep. And, 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 but they'll treat Zeke like the ceremonial starter, but you better get, you better get Pollard in there early. Well, Matt Mosley, you are our bell cow guest. I thought you really crushed it today. <laughs> Now, what now? You really did. So, listen, Werder works very hard. He gets a little cranky. So, are you going to give Ed 
if if the season ends, do you give Ed some time off to to reboot and and relax with his beautiful family? Yeah, I mean, Ed does not exactly understand. Like rebooting for Ed is only spending eight hours a day on Twitter. Um, <laughs> that's so. Funny. But Ed does have wonderful family, and he's got grandkids now, and that's changed his life. And he spends a lot of time in Colorado. So yeah, he'll. I'll give him some time, and then you know, depending on how well he does in this last podcast or two. Uh, I may kick in a little extra money for him. Woo! But that's the yeah. kind of guy you are. You're very giving. You know, I, that's that's just that's how I'm wired. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Same. I, yeah. I'm just a giver all the time. Give, give, <laughs> give. That's what I do. <laughs> that's, that's exactly <laughs> that's what I've always heard. All right, Mosley. You're pretty good. Doomsday podcast with Sir Ed, a longtime Fox Sports ESPN guy, and just a friend. Funny. Uh, my guys like you a lot. So I'm going to go now, and I'm going to do some meditation. I do that in the afternoon, you know, mostly. Have you done meditation? Golly, man, that almost sounds spiritual. I'm going to have yeah. to get you down here. I don't even Bible know what belt. spiritual means, but I do that. I meditate about twice yeah. a week. Yeah, move down here and you'll find out what spiritual means. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. I've got to do two hours of scintillating radio now. All right. Good seeing you, buddy. All right. You too. Volume. Make sure to check out the Draymond Green show. I brought Draymond Green into the volume because one of the more entertaining voices in sports, unique perspective, understands behind the rope, also chops up with guests like Gary Payton, Zach Levine, Tracy McGrady. Make sure download the Draymond Green show wherever you get your podcasts, only on the Volume Podcast Network. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome.